Tech Writer Worldwide. It's the High Tech Podcast in plain English with an hour's worth of news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the commercials, the station breaks, the sports, and most of the jingles. Podcast number 647 for the 16th of June, 2019. This week, I'm a proponent of password managers, but I've chosen to switch from one password manager to another, even though the one I'm switching from is still a worthwhile and viable application. In short circuits, when I receive an email deactivation notice, I instantly recognize it as a phony. That's because I'm my own email system administrator. But what if you receive a deactivation message that seems to be from your ISP or your corporate email manager? Some of the new top-level domains, ICU for example, seem to have only spammers and scammers as clients. I have a solution. In spare parts, only on the website, Sony is now a respected camera manufacturer. The company now has more than 50 lenses for their digital SLRs, which puts the company on par with Nikon and Canon. United Airlines is rolling out an application that's designed to help passengers get to connecting flights even if their inbound flight arrives late for a tight connection. A password manager is essential. That is something I have preached for a lot of years, and for the same number of years I've recommended one specific password manager. Well, surprise, I've changed my mind. Yes, a password manager is still essential, now more than ever but the application I use and recommend has changed. My favorite, LastPass, is still very good and quite a capable application, but a recently released update makes some changes that I didn't particularly care for, and that led me to a reevaluation. There is no shortage of choices, and I'll list some here in alphabetical order. Keep in mind, though, where I mention that there are free versions available, they may sometimes be free trial versions or have very significant limitations. Here are some that you might want to take a look at, and you'll find links to all of them on the TechBiter Worldwide website. 1Password for 36 bucks a year handles Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS. There is a trial version available. Blur at $40 a year handles Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS. They have a free version. Dashlane, 40 bucks a year for Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS, and they have a free version. NPass, $10 per mobile device for Windows, Mac OS, Android, iOS, and BlackBerry. The desktop version is free. That's an unusual way to price things. There's KeePass, password safe, for Windows, Mac OS, Linux, Android, iOS, and BlackBerry, and it is free open source software. Keeper for $30 a year handles Windows, Mac OS, and Linux. LastPass, the one I've been using for a long time, for $24 a year, is for Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS, and there is a free version available. LogMe Once, $12 a year, Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS, and they have a free version available. Password Boss with a free version available, otherwise $30 a year, Windows, Mac OS, and iOS, no Android version. RoboForm is $20 a year for Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS. There's a trial version available. Sticky Password, $30 a year, Windows, Mac OS, Android, iOS, and there's a free one. 
TrueKey, $20 a year, Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS. You've noticed a pattern here. Most of these handle Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS. There is a free version from TrueKey, but it handles only 15 passwords. And Zoho Vault, $12 a year for Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS. There is a free version available. So there are a lot of choices and a very wide range of prices. The key point here is that you need a password manager, period. You probably already know why. Passwords need to be site-specific and complex. If you reuse a password, even a complex password, 35, 40, 50 characters long, it's useless because once a scammer manages to obtain that password, the crook has access to every account you've protected with it. Remembering complex passwords is all but impossible for even a single site, and remembering them for dozens or hundreds of sites isn't something that any normal human being can do. A password manager keeps all your passwords in a single encrypted and password-protected location. Most can generate strong passwords, and many can store information about credit cards, social security numbers, and other important details. The password you create for the password manager must be complex, strong, easy to remember, and impossible to guess. Now that's a challenge, but keep in mind you have to do that only once. Some pundits warn against using password managers because all of your passwords are in a single location. What if the password manager's online server is breached? What if someone gains access to your master password? I consider these concerns to be overblown because password managers communicate with your computer only via an encrypted connection, and passwords are encrypted both on the cloud-based storage and on your computer. And to gain access to the password manager, you'll probably need to use multi-factor authentication whenever the service sees a connection from a new location or a new device. So my criteria for a password manager includes support for Windows, Mac OS, Android, and iOS. That's because I use all of those platforms. I'd also like to see support at least for Chrome-based browsers and Firefox. I'd like to see synchronization across devices, and I'd like the ability to autofill login credentials, addresses, and credit card information. One password manager that lacks many of those features but is still worth considering is KeePass Password Safe. It's an open source application that runs on nearly every type of device. The autofill functions are limited. It does not automatically sync across devices because passwords are stored only on the computer or the mobile device. As an open source application, it's free, but the technology is old. I'll tell you a little more about KeePass in just a minute. But if you want to save time and you don't want to bother analyzing a baker's dozen password managers, just jot the names down on a scrap of paper, drop the scraps of paper into a bowl, and select one at random. No matter which one you pick, you'll be far better off than having no password manager. Well, here's a spoiler. After using LastPass for many years, I have switched to 1Password. They are both very good applications, but some of the updates to LastPass earlier this year seemed not to be improvements. The process of switching turned out to be pretty easy. Like most other password managers, LastPass offers the ability to export passwords, and 1Password can import that file. By default, LastPass displays the passwords on a browser screen that can then be saved to a CSV file. 
CSV stands for Comma Separated Values. One password, however, suggests that users just copy the full contents from the displayed page and paste the information into one password. That's better because you never need to save the file to a computer where, even after you have erased it, the data persists. The latest version has a new interface and some new capabilities, including a security audit which was previously available only in the Mac version. It also has the ability to handle two-factor authentication automatically. If you're still using Internet Explorer, it is not supported, but that's a good reason to stop using Internet Explorer, not a good reason not to use 1Password. In addition to the Password Manager applications, there are extensions for browsers, and these are essential. After installing the application, you'll be asked if you want to add the extension when you next open a browser. I like 1Password's security for the application. To open it from a new device, you'll need to provide the email address you used for the account, your 1Password password, and a private key. The private key is very long. You'll see an example of it on the TechBiter Worldwide website, and the example you'll see is not my key. Once entered, the key is stored on the device, so you don't have to enter it again. And if you don't want to enter it even the first time, instead of typing the key, users can scan a barcode if the device has a camera. And as I said, entering the key needs to be done only once per device. 1Password, like LastPass, reports compromised logins, vulnerable passwords, and reused passwords. And yes, I do still reuse some passwords for sites that have no financial data. It also has reminders for sites that use HTTP instead of the secure HTTPS. It highlights sites or credit cards that will soon expire. And it shows sites that have two-factor authentication available, but where you're not using it. Stored information is categorized as site logins, secure notes, credit cards, identities, which are shipping addresses, social security numbers, and credentials for wireless routers. And you'll see on the TechBiter Worldwide website that I do have some vulnerable passwords. These are usually of three types. First, library logins. These are almost always four-digit numbers, but they have to be combined with the user's ID, and that has to be at least 10 characters long. I'm not too worried about those. Second is passwords that are shared with many users and are intended to provide only minimal protection for trivial data, so I'm not too worried about those. And the third kind are logins that are in the process of being decommissioned and have no password. So obviously I'm not too concerned about those. Logging onto a website can be initiated in 1Password by clicking the application's icon in the browser or by pressing Ctrl-Alt-Backslash and then searching for the site name. Or the user can simply navigate to the site's login page and click the username field, which will then give a list of credentials associated with the site. Few of these features are unique to 1Password. Zoho and TrueKey cannot automatically fill in website forms and do not allow multiple identities for filling in website forms. That eliminated them from my consideration. Only 1Password, Keeper, LastPass, RoboForm, and Sticky Password can enter passwords in device-based applications. That makes them preferable, but that's really not a terribly important feature. For me, the second choice would now be LastPass, which has an uncommonly robust free version. The paid version is also excellent, and it includes options to share passwords or sections of the password database with others. 
1Password doesn't explicitly allow sharing, but the company does offer a family version for up to five users. That plan also includes 10 gigabytes of online secure storage. And I mentioned KeePass. I consider it the free, quiet, open-source password manager. It's been around for about 16 years. The interface does have a dated look, and there is no ability to synchronize automatically across devices because it doesn't use cloud-based storage. But it is a powerful application that runs on just about every imaginable operating system and device. It was my first choice, and one of the few choices available back in the early 2000s. I've continued to keep it installed and updated on later Windows computers, but I haven't installed it on a Mac OS computer or any of my portable devices. Still, it is worth considering, and you'll see some screenshots on the TechBiter Worldwide website. The setup process offers the ability to use a master key... It cautions, though, that if the key file is lost, the database cannot be opened by anyone. The interface has more in common with Windows 95 or Mac System 8 than it does with Windows 10 or Mac OS, but it's still serviceable. It's a good idea to read the instructions when installing and starting to use any application, and reading the instructions is essential for KeePass because it doesn't work the way a lot of competing applications do. If you aren't using a password manager now and you don't have the time or the desire to perform research, the free version of LastPass would be a really good starting place. Or if you have time to perform 1Password's somewhat more complex initial setup, I can recommend it. Nearly all of the password managers can import data from a web browser if you currently store passwords there. Browsers are better than they used to be, but passwords stored in browsers should not be considered secure. So the important first step is to install a real password manager. If you know which features are most important to you, reviewing the developer's websites will narrow your choices. But as I said back near the outset of this piece, installing any of the password managers I've listed is far better than proceeding without one. In short circuits, the message said, this email is to notify you that we have received your request to terminate the services listed below. It claimed to be from TechBiter.com, and it said that my email account would be terminated. So I deleted the message. The first and most obvious giveaway is the fact that I am the email administrator for TechBiter.com, and I knew that I hadn't asked myself to delete my account, and that therefore I had not sent myself a message advising myself that my account would be deactivated. But what if you receive a message like that at your work address? Would you click the link to cancel the deactivation? Please don't. Click it and a website that's registered in Iran will attempt to place malware on your computer. This could be something that damages data, or it could be something that attempts to find and exfiltrate proprietary data. It might try to capture the user's login credentials, or it could be part of an advanced persistent threat. There are lots of possibilities. Fortunately, some organizations' IT departments have protections in place to identify these kinds of messages and delete them so that employees never see them, 
and the best organizations work to educate their people so that bogus messages are reported even when they breach the protective measures. Here are some indicators that the message is fraudulent. Spotting most of these requires no technical knowledge or intelligence, just a cautious eye and a reasonable amount of paranoia. The message says it is from TechBiter.com, but the real sending address, obvious right there at the top of the message, is info at commercelive.xyz. I am addressed as TechBiter.editor at TechBiter.com instead of by name. What's listed as an email account is actually a domain name. The termination will occur within 12 hours, but any change of that magnitude would be expected to be delayed for at least 72 hours and probably for a full week, if not more. Simply hovering the mouse cursor over the sign and cancel option reveals a link to service-manual.ir, an Iranian domain. And because I'm my own email administrator, it's clear that I didn't send the message to myself. Using an online Whois service, I found the sender's domain is registered to someone in China, and the address for the link is registered to someone in Iran. But that's kind of extra credit stuff. Anybody who receives a message like this at work should immediately not click the link. After carefully not clicking the link, if there is any concern that the message might be legitimate, then contact the IT department or a manager and ask. This message is reasonably well done. No egregious grammatical errors exist, and the wording is generally reasonable. But still, several clues are present that identify the message as a scam. One of the new top-level domains is ICU, but the sponsoring organization, Short.SA in Luxembourg, seems not to be interested in honesty, accuracy, or legality. Someone there recently obtained my email address, and I've started receiving a flood of spams and scams from domains ending in ICU. By flood, I mean dozens of spam and scam messages from ICU domains every week. Dozens! And yet I have never received a legitimate message from any address with an ICU top-level domain. They range from scams involving medical solutions to offers that will connect me with love interests. In other words, the unwanted commercial messages from the ICU domain are entirely that. Unwanted. Whether or not you've heard from any of these ICU domains, maybe it's time now for a little proactive activity. Depending on your anti-spam application, I would recommend blocking all communications from any ICU domain. I've used MailWasher Pro for a lot of years. The application makes it easy to mark any message from any top-level domain as spam. I simply specify star at sign star dot ICU as the source of spam and every message from the ICU domain will be marked as spam. MailWasher allows me to examine every message, spam or not, before downloading it. So far, I haven't found any messages from the ICU top-level domain to be ones that I wanted to save. Spammers and scammers are developing new scams every day. One of the messages I received recently claimed to be from CNBC. It was really from an ICU domain. The CNBC banner was bogus, so was the health and science subhead. 
A Learn More link led to an ICU domain that immediately transferred to another page. The message said, and I quote here, All words on this page are an ad that was sent to you. Well, I pondered that for a little bit. Obviously it was an ad. Obviously it was sent to me. Clicking any link in the message would be highly illogical, and yet the message offered, and here, once again, I quote, If you rather not get these anymore, then please tell us as this page. Not at this page, but as this page. Clearly these are not the smartest beers in the six-pack. It also offered me to cut out your name from our list by entering your information now. Both of those links go to the same location, and following either just wouldn't be very smart. So I didn't. Because of the extreme number of spams and scams from the ICU top-level domain, I went beyond marking messages as spam in MailWasher. The MailWasher application does give me the opportunity to examine messages and then decide whether I want to download them or not. But having seen the quantity and quality of messages flowing from the ICU top-level domain, I decided to intercept them at the server level so that MailWasher would never even see them. If you operate your own domain, Spam Assassin might be available to you. If so, it's easy to create a filter that looks for certain characters in the sender's address. For example, .icu. And once it finds such a message, to simply delete it so that you'll never have to see them. Now this is a big hammer. It's one that I employ only when I'm certain that some part of the email will contain text that absolutely identifies a message that I don't ever want to see. The new ICU top-level domain filter is one of only three that I've set up on the server. Top-level ICU domains, just another scam to watch for. My recommendation for any message from the ICU top-level domain, simply delete it. Don't even think about opening it. Here's some good news. You don't have to worry about spams and scams from spare parts, but check it out on the website. This week, Sony is now a respected camera manufacturer, and the company has more than 50 lenses for their digital SLRs. That puts the company on par with Nikon and Canon. United Airlines is rolling out an application that's designed to help passengers get to connecting flights, even if their inbound flight arrives late for a tight connection. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. I'm Bill Blinn. Be sure to check out the website, www.techbiter.com. And if you like, send me an email from there. See you next week.